Welcome to Milkman Sports, delivered fresh daily with your hosts, Casey Avila and Derek DeRuder. Welcome to Milkman Sports. I'm Case, and I'm here with Red as usual. What's happening, Red? What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just ready to get this podcast on the road and just got done eating a good dinner. And yeah, man, ready to roll tonight. Yep, I had a typical case of the Mondays at work, but I am excited to be talking about tight ends. We're going to talk about the 11th through 24th ranked tight ends on Fantasy Pros based on half PPR scoring. We went over the top 10 last time, and since we've got 14 guys to go through, I think we should just jump right in. Yeah, uh, let's start at, well, I guess you wouldn't say the top, but I guess the top of today's list, and that's coming in at number 11, is Rob Gronkowski. How are you feeling about Gronkowski this year? I think he has an opportunity to do much better than this ranking. I know that he's got the big name. He took the year off, and so he's switching teams. But he's still going to get to play with Brady. They obviously brought him in for a reason. I think he's getting paid a lot of money this year, too, to be a tight end for them. O.J. Howard and Cameron Brate have not really been statistically – you know, flashy, relevant from a fantasy perspective. Not to say relevant, but just not particularly useful, I guess, on a week-to-week basis. I think Gronk has that opportunity. You know, they always obviously have two really good receivers with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and they are going to have to run the ball at least a little bit. But I think Gronk is – he's always been a red zone target, and his familiarity with Tom Brady is obviously going to help out with that. Um, I don't think we should expect a ton of catches. I don't even – think that he's going to you know, necessarily need a lot of yards because he's going to score so many touchdowns. You know, where the, the tight end group is a bit thin after those top guys, I guess. He's he's someone that can go right back into being a very useful guy just because of how much he's how many scoring opportunities he's going to have. I think he's good. I think he's got a, a good chance to outplay this number 11 ranking. Yeah, I think his ceiling is definitely there. I, I do agree with you there, but I – I think we're going to see more of his floor games than we're going to see his ceiling games. I'm I'm not a fan of Gronk this year. You know, he's two years out of the NFL. Um, one thing is he's in a Bruce Arians offense. And if any dude burned me last year, it was the tight end position in Tampa Bay. And that was OJ Howard. I was such a believer in that guy last year. And I remember going toe to toe with you about it on um, who was it? It was OJ Howard and Evan Ingram. And I was so in on OJ Howard, and I was so wrong on OJ Howard. I think I remember. I, we are, not, I think we had conversations how I was not really in on OJ Howard. I'm glad that I kind of avoided him last year. Yeah, and you know Evan Ingram, you did get hurt, but he did have some blow up games. You know OJ Howard didn't help you at all last year, mm-hmm. and that's what scares me about Gronkowski is, you know, this tight end position isn't really something that Arians uses and yeah, Brady has that familiarity with the tight end position. You know, he does throw the Gronkowski, but you know, he does have something that he hasn't had in a while. And that's a real big tight end, like my, or tight end wide receiver, like Mike Evans, you know, 
you do have Chris, Chris Godwin that is going to cover in that slot position, play that Larry Fitzgerald role, or be that Julian Edelman, if you will, for Tom Brady. I mean, it's not saying Gronkowski is going to have any bad, like be bad at all. I mean, I think 11's right for him. I guess that floor's kind of built in with his ADP, but I just, to the average fantasy person, I think they're expecting the old Gronkowski and just shy away from that, temper your expectations. He's going to have his big games, but for the most part, I'm expecting more of his floor games. I'm going to let him be somebody else's problem. I'm willing to take on that problem. I think that they're going to let the other tight ends, OJ Howard and Cameron Bray, do more of the blocking, and they're going to let Gronk do what he's good at. Gronk can block too, obviously, in a pinch, but I think that having – Switch teams and coming out of retirement. I don't think he came out to be a blocker. I think he wants to go catch passes from Tom Brady, and I expect the Buccaneers to let him do that more as a receiver than as a traditional tight end. But I guess we will find out. Um, our number 12 tight end is Austin Hooper, who also switched teams from the Falcons to the Cleveland Browns. Red, what are your thoughts on Austin Hooper? You know, I'm not excited about this one either. Um, his production last year in 13 games was nice. You know, he had 75 receptions off 97 targets. He had 787 yards and six touchdowns, but he did get hurt last year. And, man, he was on pace to be something really good, but that was just kind of at the benefit of the Falcons being bad at football and then having to play catch-up at the end of the game. And uh, this Austin Hooper stat is going to kind of something we see more toward um, – Holy crap, who's the tight end we talked about the other day? Hayden Hurst. Uh, something we've seen more toward Hayden Hurst. Um, so don't expect this from Austin Hooper. Uh, this Browns offense is run first. Uh, yes, uh, Stefanski is coming over, but last year Stefanski only threw to the tight end position 105 times. And that was split between two tight ends, Irv Smith, or three tight ends, sorry, Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph got a majority of those, and they, they split those 47-48 each. And Conklin got that small. I think it was like 10 of them or something left. But this is a run-first offense, and I anticipate this Cleveland Browns offense to almost be what Minnesota was last year. And if that's how the tight end split is going to be, you know Najoka is going to get his. They already talked about him. So I, if you got a tight end going at 13 that could only see 48 targets, I'm out. I expect them to run the ball quite a bit this year, too, more than almost any other team if everything breaks right for them. And with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, I know they're pretty high on – it's Harrison Bryant, right, that they picked up in the draft? Um, I believe so. I believe that it's – in terms of who should we get the ball to first in the offense, Hooper is going to be towards the bottom of the food chain. I think that his, mm-hmm. you know, he'll be a good real life player for them, and he'll still have opportunities to, you know, pop for some big games from time to time. But I don't think that he will replicate what he did last year in Atlanta. I definitely think that he was more of a product of the offense in Atlanta than. It's him being some transcendent talent at tight end. I don't really like him as a starter on my fantasy lineup in any scenario. I know that I know that the money's there, but I just don't see 
a useful role week to week. I'm no. yeah, like kind of like how you said with Gronk, I'm letting somebody else, I'm letting this be somebody else's problem instead of mine. Who was the tight end position? Or who was the tight end situation over with Houston last year? Or was Darren Fells and someone else? Um, well, they had uh, who was their rookie that they took last year? I'm forgetting his name now. Anyways, long story short, there was two tight ends in Houston last year, and it seemed like one would have a big week, and everybody would go pick this guy up and drop the other tight end, and then the tight end that everybody dropped ended up having the next big week. I think everybody ended really up dropping it, Darren Fells, right? you know, and it was just a ping pong, and I kind of see the same thing with uh, Najoku and uh, Austin Hooper this year. So if you want to take a tight end from Cleveland and you're dead set on doing it, just wait and pick up Najoku in your free agency. Don't don't waste a pick on Austin Hooper. This is a little too rich for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pass on on Hooper here at twelve. I think that tight end we were thinking about was Jordan Aikens from the Texans. Yes, it's Aikens. It's Aikens. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So the next tight end on the list is Mike Gesicki of the Miami Dolphins. Casey, what are you feeling about my uh, not so much sleeper Mike Gesicki? I have a change of heart on him. You know, I'm kind of having a bit of a change of heart on him in the sense that I've not been a big fan of him, but I'm starting to think that he he might have some value. I like Chan Gailey, their new wow. offensive coordinator, and I expect to see – like I feel like his offense is going to fit what a lot of offenses are tra- tra- transitioning to right now and this shotgun, pistol stuff, a lot of four wide, a lot of scrambling from the quarterback – I expect to see quite a bit of that. And there was quite a few Dolphins receivers that opted out at the beginning of the year. You still got Preston Williams, who is supposedly very healthy now, coming off that ACL, but he's still coming off of an ACL. Um, Devontae Parker, I think, is recovering from uh, a small injury right now. Nothing serious, but, I mean, they don't really have a locked-in number three receiver. They've got a lot of guys that could potentially fill that role. They signed Chester Rogers. They have Jakeem Grant. Uh, but Mike Isicki is known for being like he was an athletic tight end coming out of college. He wasn't like some, you know, tree stump that was just used as a blocker. This guy had some athletic ability to him. And I see some opportunity for him to maybe play some slot receiver in these four wide situations. And there's some value here. I'm still not comfortable with him as my starting tight end. I was kind of avoiding him for a long time, pretty much at all costs. But I've warmed up to him as being like a tight end, too, with some room for more. Yeah, um, I was really high on him, especially during the offseason. There was reports that they were going to start using him in the slot. And I was I had him in a tight end premium league and a dynasty league, and I was thought I was just sitting on a gold mine, and started doing a little bit more homework on it, and you know I was kind of a little bit more bought into the hype than what is really going on. Um, you know, you hear these off season reports and you get excited about guys because there's really nothing else going on in football. So um, I'm still kind of victim to to that at times. You know. These, um, you know, Gasecki, they're talking about using him in the slot. There is some glowing reviews with him coming out of camp, but I am just not really bought into how Chan Gailey uses the tight end position. And um, his the tight end position 
in eight out of eight years, he's been an offensive coordinator. Seven of those years, the tight end position has finished 28th overall in fantasy. So maybe that's just how the tight end position finishes. I don't know what that percentage finishes as if Gasecki were to play the slot. So that's kind of hit or miss. But the quarterback situation, um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to play quarterback. I'll take the upside there, you know, and Gasecki does have a lot of upside to start the year because of a lot of these Dolphin players are they're injured, you know. So maybe this rumor of him playing in the slot. I don't know. It just that kind of scares me with the tight end twenty-eight finish in seven of eight years. I am going to shy away on him. He's just a little too raw for redraft leagues. You know, this is only year three. If Tua comes in at quarterback, I, I I'm a Tua believer. Don't don't hear what I'm not saying. But overall, though, you just don't want to trust a rookie quarterback in a redraft league, let alone his receiving options. There's just going to be too much inconsistency there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be weird because Chan Gailey hasn't coached in a while, so we're going to see something, you know, maybe that we are not expecting. I, I'm just happy to see him paired with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's where he had his best days was when they were back together in Buffalo. So I'm excited to see what this Bills. offense has got going on. Uh, number 14 is TJ Hawkinson of the Detroit Lions. Derek, what do you think of our guy, TJ Hawkinson? So I certainly like TJ Hawkinson more than Austin Hooper and Mike Gusecki on this list. And I think this is where I'm going to draw the line up here with Rob Gronkowski. Uh, for the record, Rob Gronkowski coming in at 11. Yeah, no, I definitely like TJ Hawkinson. Um, don't mind last year's stats or his injury or anything like that. Um, he did have a big, big week one last year, but that was against Arizona. And anybody who was a tight end in football that played against Arizona last year had a huge game. He's coming into year two. This offense has a potential for 5,000 yards. And I think there's enough volume for him to be relevant, even as a tight end too. Yeah, just just the pure volume overall in this offense. offense uh, Hawkinson is going to be able to benefit from, you know, as I mentioned with the Atlanta Falcons, bad, bad defense. Minnesota got better on defense. They made a big trade. So uh, I'm not trying to hate on the Lions by any means. I'm probably one of the most realist fans you'll see. But um, overall, I do like TJ Hawkinson, and I think he can rival being a top, not a top 10, but a top 12 tight end this year. Um, But he has to take that step forward and prove that he is healthy. You know, you're hearing these reports in camp that, you know, his foot is still bothering him. And then like three days later, you just hear these glowing reviews. Oh, he's making all these awesome catches in the end zone, this and that. And, you know, this is something, someone to keep an eye on, but this is someone that don't punt tight end thinking you can get a top 12 tight end in TJ Hawkinson. I know a lot of people are going to punt tight end thinking they can get these guys late, especially with the next guy on the list. But overall, I like I like Hawkinson as a tight end too. I feel more better with him if this was year three. He's still a little raw for me. But I can see the upside with Stafford throwing for a lot of yards this year. I can see Hawkinson coming through and having some bigger weeks, but I think we're going to see more of his floor than his ceiling this year. If I am waiting on a tight end, Hawkinson is one of the guys that I'm a little more comfortable being my tight end one than, say, like Austin Hooper or Gusecki. I do agree with you in the sense that I kind of wish he was in 
year three because he'd be certainly more developed and polished. But I'm willing to bank on him this year, or willing to bet on him, I should say, this year because he came into the league as one of the best tight end prospects we'd seen in some quite some time. And he wasn't a pure receiver. He's a guy that blocks too. But the reason why I like that is because he's playing on all three downs regularly. And obviously if there's fourth downs, he's probably out there too. Because they throw or because Stafford has historically always been able to throw for a lot of yards. And because I don't expect that Detroit defense to really be all that great this year, they will probably be playing catch up. And I expect Hawkinson to be a recipient of you know, plenty of targets throughout the year. He's going to be kind of hard to, to say, like, he's going to be the most consistent guy just because he's younger. But I'm willing to bet on the upside because I, I have a feeling he's going to have some games where he's got two, three touchdowns. It would not surprise me to see TJ Hawkinson be, you know, near the league leaders in touchdown receptions because of his size and the way they, they I think, would like to use him. Um, still not quite comfortable with him as my tight end one, as a regular guy. But with a lot of these guys past this point, you're not going to really get a comfortable starter. I, I, I like him better than some of the other guys in this range. Um, number cool. 15, we have Noah Fant of the Denver Broncos. I, this is another guy I kind of warmed up on, like kind of like Yoseki, where I was fading him for the most part. Yeah especially after they drafted a couple of receivers, a lot of tight ends, like it's hard to go in the first round. You know, we talked about Hawkinson being like one of the better prospects at tight end in a while. I'm not going to say fans, one of the better tight end prospects, but he, you know, he did go in the first round and he was no, like they both played at Iowa together, but fan was more of the receiving tight end. Hawkinson was the more of the uh, traditional tight end. And he was used as a receiver, but a lot as a blocker when they were in college. So, you know, we start doing the math here of, okay, so Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy, but then after that, you know, they had KJ Hamler, but he's banged up right now. And, and knowing Fant, he plays a lot of true receiver. It's like, man, I, I actually see some opportunity for volume. I would be a lot higher on Noah Fant if I had more confidence in Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke's going to have to go through his lumps this year. He started a few games last year and did all right, but – I don't expect him to take the league by storm this year. He's going to have to go through a full year starting and he's going to make some mistakes and he's going to have some rough games. And unfortunately that's going to hurt fans value a bit. So I think he's another good dice roll though. Um, I think the offense operate better and kind of work with what the Broncos want to do. If they had a tight end that was able to play a big role, not, not a lot of teams or I'm saying not a lot of teams, a lot of teams don't feature the tight end as a big part of the passing game. I think that Noah Fant has that opportunity, but with him being young and with Drew Locke being young, I, he makes me a little nervous. Definitely a tight end too that I would hope has some bigger weeks. Yeah. Pretty much how I feel about TJ Hawkinson is how I about, feel about Noah Fant. You know, he's entering year two, you know, he's in an offense where, you know, he, necessarily the focal point but he's just going to be a beneficiary of like a lot of volume you know I, i'm not i'm not trying to poke fun at the broncos but they're playing in a tough division this year there's some tough matchups in this and um you can make a case where you know broncos could be playing from behind in some games not necessarily blowout matchups but 
maybe they're down four, you know, or maybe, you know, they're in, they're in a pass happy scheme to, to, at the end of the game is, is the point I'm trying to make. Um, but I'm not, I'm not really sure how efficient this offense is going to be. I mean, yeah, the weapons are there. You know, you, you, you have Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton, you have two running backs that can both catch passes out of the backfield. Um, no, that is not a positive toward Philip Lindsay Casey. I'm sorry, but uh, I'm still not buying him, but I'm giving credit with credits too. Um, but he's a target in the backfield along with Melvin Gordon. Uh, they have another tight end there. They drafted Albert O, who was uh, to college team teammates with Drew Locke last or in college. So, I mean, there's a lot of targets there and the real questions you need to be asking is, you know, the first one is how efficient is this offense? I mentioned that a little bit ago, you know, how many plays are they going to run? You know, how many of these are going to be passing plays? How many is this is going to go to the tight end position? You know, you're asking all these questions and that's all on the back of Drew Locke. And this is all how, how, how for a year two tight end. He does have boom bust ability, you know. He he has the ability to break long plays. We've seen that last year. Um, you know, all the way down the tight end 15 on the list. Hmm. I like him better than Gasecki. I will draft him over Gasecki and I will draft him over Hooper. So I'm certainly still he's still above water for me, I guess you can say. But um you know, you started off with the last one, and let's go ahead and move it down to number 16, which is Jonah Smith. And this is another guy I think is going to break out this year. And, you know, we're entering year four. Delaney Walker's gone. You know, this is a run first team. I don't think they're going to really throw a ton. I'm sorry, Corey Davis is not a thing. Um, this passing, the passing target leaders on this team should be AJ Brown and Jonah Smith. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Jonah Smith is Travis Kelsey. Go get him. You know, he's going to be a tight end five. He's going to be a tight end four this year. Jonah Smith is a nice flyer as the tight end 16. That's what Jonah Smith is. He's not going to be some guy that's going to win you your leagues. But I really like the guy as a flyer because he is the only tight end in town. And getting all the tight end targets and everything to himself, he may get a touchdown here and there, but again, like I said, I expect some regression from the Tennessee offense overall. So, you know, as him being my breakout this year, I kind of got to temper expectations a little bit, you know? So if I'm calling off AJ Brown, you know, theoretically I should be calling off a Jonas Smith breakout a little bit, but still, I think he's going to outperform this 80 ADP spot, but he's not going to be someone you're absolutely overly thrilled with. I think that he's, this is another guy that, if you want to wait a little longer on your tight end, you can wait longer than you could with, like I said, Hawkinson earlier. Um, but yeah, the, the thing that scares me is just the very run heavy nature of Tennessee's offense. They just signed Derek Henry to an extension. So clearly I don't think that they are planning on um, getting away from running the ball. And yeah, it's probably not realistic to expect Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill to be as efficient as he was. But Johnny Smith has shown enough talent. They've said a lot of good things about him in camp. You got to take all that stuff with a grain of salt, I suppose. But because, yeah, they're going to still run the ball a lot and everything, his upside is capped. It sucks because if he played in a better offense or an offense that threw the ball more, his, he, his upside would be through the roof. He'd be dropped much higher. But I think that's why he's ranked number 16 as – 
everyone is expecting a very run-heavy approach and for Tannehill to not be a high-volume passer. A very, very ideal guy. Like if you're going to take a tight end one, you want to take a second tight end, you know, earlier, or maybe you want to go with Gronk, but you want to cover yourself in case, you know, something happens injury-wise or he's just yeah. you know, after being retired. Johnny Smith is a great second tight end. Yeah, when we were talking about tight ends um, in the top 10 of guys that I was avoiding, like the Evan Ingrams, like if I was forced to take Evan Ingram, I think I mentioned a scenario if I was a co-owner and someone forced me to take it, take Evan Ingram, Jonah Smith would be a tight end. I would be pushing the guy to get as my second tight end. Right. Yeah, I think that he's good insurance for some of those other guys that have a little more risk built into them at the top of the draft. <clears throat> yep. But let's go on down to number 17 on the list, and that's Dallas Goddard. What do you know about Dallas Goddard, Casey? Well, this is an interesting spot because we have two Philadelphia tight ends now on the board with Zach Ertz being the number four ranked guy. We talked about him in the last podcast. So, you know, interesting to see him ranked this high when there's a lot of other tight ends that are the number one on their team. But I think this reflects – Philadelphia's offensive style and their willingness to get both Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard on the field at the same time. It also helps Goddard's situation right now that the Eagles wide receivers are banged up. (laughs) Jalen Rager just got hurt for about a month. Ortega Whiteside has been injured for some of camp. He's healthy now from what I understand. Alshon Jeffries still on the pup list. So we'll see what happens. I think that he's got, a good role, even if all those guys are healthy. But at the end of the day, if they're playing a tight end, it's it's Zach Ertz. So I do think this is a little high for Goddard. There's a few other guys lower on this list that I'd much rather have. I am probably not taking him unless he is an absolute like steal. Like he's just dropped several rounds lower than where he's supposed to go, just because I don't foresee a lot of times where Goddard even if they're on the field a lot at the same time I don't see a lot of situations where he's gonna outproduce Zach Ertz on a, any given Sunday any given for any given game it's it's his it's upside hard to project is, that it's just he's just upside he just doesn't have enough of it in my opinion like if Zach Ertz got hurt sure but without it you're just looking at low end tight end one numbers in a best case scenario I feel like and I'd, I'd want to bank, I'd want to shoot a little higher than that. Yeah. Last year, he did finish with 58 receptions, 600 yards, and five touchdowns in 15 games. And they actually put him as a top 10, t- top 10 uh, tight end last year. That's a tongue twister. Top 10 tight end. Wow. That's a good one. But um, so over here, are what, tight end 17? We should be buying that, right? You know, top 10 tight end, man. We should be buying that all day at 17. I'm not. I think last year he was a beneficiary of a lot of the wide receivers being hurt. Um, I was actually in on this Dallas Goddard big offseason, you know, go buy him in Dynasty, go get him in Dynasty. And I was actually convinced that Philadelphia was going to move on from Zach Ertz, you know, trade him. He has one year left on his deal, get rid of him, you know, why they still can, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know, you know, they're talking about extended Ertz now and, you know, I think Dallas Goddard might be used in this offense as these receivers get healthy. But I 
as these receivers get healthy, I don't I don't see Dallas Goddard maintaining this top ten tight end value. Ooh, I did it that time. Uh, but yeah, I'm just I'm not in on it. I think a lot of the t- uh, two tight ends, again, I'll say, just had to do with injury to the wide receivers, and that's how the year is going to start. That's fine. If you want to draft them and get them as your second tight end, that's fine. You know, But as long as Zach Ertz is healthy and Dallas Goddard has a big week and you got a chance to send him off in a trade, do it. But Dallas Goddard is not a top-five tight end until Zach Ertz gets hurt. Right. If this was Dynasty, I'd be saying he was a great stash. Not even he's more than a stash. He's still useful, but his his value is going to come more in the next couple of years. If you know, assuming they don't get a, a deal done with Ertz, but they've already talked about that too. So I think Goddard might end up being as uh, one of these guys that will always kind of wonder, you know, man, what could have been, you know, if he would have just had a a bigger role to begin with. Kind of leads us down to number 18, which is Blake Jarwin of the Cowboys. What are your thoughts on Blake Jarwin? You know, the one reason why I didn't want to get into podcasting was keeping things in my back pocket is really hard to do. And Blake Jarwin to my back pocket this long. And we did mention a few sleepers on the other podcast, and I'm glad I didn't bring up Blake Jarwin. I think Blake Jarwin has the best chance out of anybody we're going to mention tonight to crack top five, to crack top 10 or even top five. Jason Witten left town last year. Okay. And between Witten and Jarwin last year, they combined for 122 targets last year, just to be a tight end one, that number was around 80 targets just to be, you know, the average was about 80 targets to be a tight end one last year. If he sees the same numbers combined, you know, because Jason Witten's gone, just say he sees 122 targets, 120 targets. That's 40 more targets than what the average tight end was getting to be a tight end one this year. Dak Prescott in this offense, I think, is going to take the step forward. You know, if he's not touching 5,000 yards this year, he's going to be pretty darn close. Um, I, I understand C.D. Lamb is in town. I understand Michael Gallup had a great year. I understand Amari Cooper had a great year. But guess what? That third receiver position that, you know, people want to counteract that, oh, yeah, they got too many targets. Randall Cobb had 94 targets out of the position that C.D. Lamb is going to play. This whole receiving core is going to eat this year. Granted, these guys are going to have bigger games than others. You know, it'll be Cooper's game and Gallup's game, you know, or Blake Jarwin might have the five catches for 60 yards and he might get the annoying touchdown away from the Michael Gallup owner. You know, Um, these guys are certainly going to take some away from each other, but I think there's enough for everybody to get some in this offense. I mean, if there is any sleeper, I mean, down at tight end 18 on this list, man, go buy him. I will take him over Gronkowski. That is wild to me. I that is true. I just it, don't want no part of Blake Jarwin, and it's not. Oh my god! It's not that uh, he doesn't have talent. I mean, he's got an extension for a reason. He's got talent, but I think that offense is going to go through the receivers and the run game. It's still Zeke's offense. It's, you know, they're gonna they're gonna get him the ball plenty, and. I mean, they just paid Amari Cooper a lot of money after giving up draft picks and all that to go get him. 
and they just, you know, had an excellent season out of Michael Gallup that I'm sure that they were not expecting that much production and, you know, in year two. And then, yeah, now you add C.D. Lamb. If you go back and look at what Mike McCarthy did back in his Packer days, I feel like they had a lot of productive wide receivers like Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb. Um, but, like, I don't remember a lot of big-name tight ends over there. I mean, they had Jermichael Finley maybe, but he even never even, you know, met expectations, I suppose. So they had solid guys that always filled in there, but no one that had, like, some – really big role in the in the passing game so i'm kind of expecting something similar out of blake jarwin he'll probably be a better real life than fantasy player i i mean he'll inevitably have one or two big games that are completely unpredictable but besides that he's an extremely low upside option i basically don't want him if someone offers him to me in a trade or something it's like he's he'd be the first guy on my roster that i'd cut if i needed a, a roster spot i'm i'm i don't not a fan somebody please please trade you blake jarwin uh, i don't want him i wouldn't take him i would much rather have number 19 chris herndon and this is a guy that you've been high on for a while that i, I like chris herndon yeah, like I kind of just, you know, it's easy to be down on the Jets because out of peace and everything else. But you got to remember, hey, look, they're an NFL team just like all these other teams are. So you have to do your due diligence and not just be so pessimistic all the time. And especially if you're looking at the reports coming out of camp, Chris Herter looks like he's going to be involved in this offense quite a bit. And if you look at the receivers and everything else, it kind of makes sense. Like for whatever reason, it, it, it feels like Adam Gase doesn't like Le'Veon Bell for some reason. <laughs> and, you know, Brashad Perriman, they signed him. He's on a one-year deal. Hasn't he been banged up through camp? I feel like, you know, yes. they got Crowder. Been, Crowder's looked healthy. He's looked good. I think he's in for a big year. But I mean, besides that, like what else did they really got? Chris Herndon's healthy. He's, you know, the team's kind of invested in where they spent a third round pick on him a couple years ago. They've talked him up, talked him up, talked him up like more than usual. So he's, um, he's one of my favorite late round targets at tight end. That's got some upside, like in a downside, you know, Sam Darnold has a rough year. Maybe like he's still the tardy starting tight end. He's got more upside than Blake Jarwin. That's for sure. So um, I'm definitely, looking to acquire Chris Herndon with his value being as low as it is now. Potential tight end one. Easy. Easy. Yep. If things break right for him. Yep. Bad team. Bad football team. Be losing a lot of games. Be playing a lot of catch up. Um, but I agree, man. You know, he's he's not a flashy name to have on your team. Um, if anybody heard me on the old RNK podcast, um, I'm not a fan of Adam Gase. He ruins a lot of players. Um, I've kind of exhausted that to oblivion, so I'll leave that to its rest. But Herndon had finished Herndon's rookie year finished along some of the elites at this position. You know, he had 500 yards as a receiver. Uh, Noah Fant did that too, so I forgot to mention that Noah Fant did have that 500 yard uh, season as a tight end. So you know, he is along amongst good company. He was uh, suspended for the first four games last year, and the first game back he got hurt. But, I mean, the guy's flashing in camp. You know, there's reason for him to finish in the top 12, like you had said, Casey. You know, it's just 
just with the pure lack of offensive weapons right now, Perriman is banged up. Denzel Mins is battling that hamstring injury. Um, just putting two and two together, though, between early season target share with everyone hurt and just all the glowing reviews and camps and everything from his rookie year, you know, he has this relationship with Sam Darnold, you know, since they were rookies together. This guy is worth a flyer in the late round. You know, if you can't get your hands on Blake Jarwin, take uh, Chris Herndon. I would say um, definitely take Chris Herndon over Blake Jarwin if you have the chance. Uh, tune in next week, guys. I'm going to be – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number 20 on our list is Jack Doyle. And what do you think This is Jack- another buy, man. This is another buy low option for me. I'm not a fan of Jack Doyle. I've never been a fan of Jack Doyle. But this year is a little bit different. You know, Philip Rivers is the quarterback now over there, and he likes to utilize his tight ends. You know, so he could offer some low-end tight end one upside on some weeks. With the major blow-up weeks here, I just feel like there's going to be some trap weeks to come around with it. Um, you know, he could just have these, you know, five, six touch or five, six receptions, you know, maybe 70 yards. Maybe he gets two touchdowns and everyone's running to go start Jack Doyle the next week because he's going to be a thing and then he drops like a one for 20 on you guys, you know, or he drops like a two for 30 in back-to-back weeks. And you're just sitting here like, bruh, he does have reason to be drafted higher than where he's at. Um, number 21 on the list, but he's not someone you're going to see me showing off to my friends. Ah, yeah, I got Jack Doyle. I got Jack. Doyle. No one's excited about Jack Doyle. Just draft him, be quiet, wait for the production and just reap the benefits. I kind of don't know how to feel about Jack Doyle. I want to like him more, but I kind of get the sense that I think what was going to happen was they were going to use Trey Burton as like the Eric Ebron role from last two years or so. I don't remember what his injury came out to be, if it was minor or if it was something serious. I feel like it was not that serious, but I, I, I could be he's out for a few weeks. Um, so I, I think they're going to use Doyle more as the blocking tight end. But now that if Burton's not healthy, then that this might have changed things. So um, even, even if it did change things, I can't imagine it would be by very much. I'm probably avoiding Doyle just because I just don't – I see other guys down the list that have more upside than him. Mm-hmm. I know that Phillip Rivers has – you know, he's third Antonio Gates in the red zone all the time. And, you know, Jack Doyle's got some red zone, you know, chops, I guess. or got some red zone size. But with T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman, and I think they're going to lean on the run game quite a bit. I wonder how many touchdown opportunities he's going to get, especially if they end up using some other tight end as the receiving tight end there. Probably skipping Jack Doyle this year, but he – there's certainly this level of uncertainty with him that I don't have with a lot of these other guys. He could totally pop for, you know, being a, a really solid tight end too, maybe even a low tight end one some weeks. And I could just be off the mark, but I'm generally avoiding him. So do you like Jack Doyle or the next guy on the list, Eric Ebron? I'd rather have Ebron. You know, it's funny. Like we were just talking about Ebron playing in Indy and, you know, we've got, him playing in 
Pittsburgh now. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's the tight end that's going to get targets in that passing offense. They have Vance McDonald there still, but Ebron's been a like very useful guy the last few years, and he's still on the young side. Like he, he you know, he came into the league really young. He got cut, re- you know, and he's still like in his mid twenties, like twenty five, as a free agent. Um. So I think he still got some some room for growth. I think he just was like a, a late bloomer, maybe. I think that he's a guy that I'd be targeting in the late round, especially when he's a 21st ring tight end. Like this guy could be a tight end one all day long, even if he doesn't get a lot of catches, because I do think that whole passing offense is going to be a kind of spread the wealth type thing. But, I mean, he doesn't need a ton of targets to be one of the more productive tight ends. I mean – I've been openly down on Ben with his elbow injury. I have some concerns that he's going to come back super healthy or uh, not that he's not recovered, I guess, but I think they're going to lean on the run game and not try to go downfield so much, maybe at least to start the season. We'll see how it goes. So um, even with that though, I, I, I like Eric Ebron. I'd much rather have him than Doyle, Jarwin, Goddard, like for sure. I, I, you could even, Say that like there's a good chance he outscores some of these other guys like Hawkinson, Gasecki for sure. I'm not I'm not in on Eric Ebron. I've I've never been an Ebron guy. I mean, he had what one good year when he was with Indy, and that was with I think it was Andrew Luck's comeback year. But overall, man, I just he's too touchdown dependent. He's too hit or miss. Now he's in Pittsburgh, and you can technically make the case. Same case I did for the past two guys, you know, just sheer opportunity. You know, he's the only tight end there. But I'm not a buyer of the Tennessee or the Pittsburgh tight end. You know, there's really no recent Pittsburgh tight end that's really had any fan any kind of fantasy relevance. You know, maybe there was one or two blow up games, but man, that tight end position's always been a guessing game in Pittsburgh. You know. Um, so I just advise waiting on the tight end. You know, I know a lot of you loyal Pittsburgh fans, and I've seen a lot of you Pittsburgh fans. I've seen some of your mock drafts or your home league drafts, and I have seen Eric Ebron be drafted as people's tight end one. And I look, don't mm-hmm. do that. Don't. I, I have seen it on three draft boards this year that people are sharing. There's been three Pittsburgh fans that have taken Eric Ebron as their tight end one, and like round eight or nine and i'm like you gotta be kidding me you know obviously these are home leagues but it is but i don't advise drafting eric ebron at all um i'll take the tight end sleeper dawson Knox. i called out last week before i take eric ebron i am i think that he's a safe tight end too i don't really see like a horrible floor with him like i I mean, he's going to get targets. He's going to get targets. Like, it's just about how many. I'm, I'll am i take him late in, as my tight end, too. Chase Claypool uh, is going to get tight end eligibility. Uh, that would be, that'd be <laughs> cool. I think they're using him strictly as a as a wide receiver. I think mostly as yeah. a three receiver. So. Um, number two is – or it's number two. <laughs> yeah, number, number two, baby. <laughs> number 22 on this list is Ian Thomas. Um, what are you thinking about Ian Thomas? He's going to have a possible breakout this year with garbage time. Again, this is just goes with the theme of a bad football team. Um, he is the only tight end in town, so it's going to go hand in hand with that argument as well. 
Um, Greg Olson's out. Ian Thomas is entering year three. You know, that's typically the breakout year for receiving options, whether if it's tight end or wide receiver. Um, and interesting, um, interestingly enough, you know, Teddy Bridgewater in his four games, he threw two touchdowns to Jared Cook last year. So he could be looking at, you know, Ian Thomas in the red zone if they get there, if it's not McCaffrey scoring these. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think during those four games, too, was kind of during that stint. Uh, I think in weeks one through eight, Jared Cook was the tight end 16. And I think Bridgewater was playing in four of those games where he threw two of the touchdowns to Cook. So there's reason to believe that Ian Thomas can outperform this 22 spot. He's someone that I kind of like Jack Doyle. I'm not 100% sure. Like, I don't know how I feel about him. I think that with the Panthers, just with a new head coach, a new quarterback, you know, they, the, the offensive coordinator they just hired over from LSU, who just, you know, had that incredible season, you know, with Joe Burrow, they won a national championship. Their numbers were insane on offense. So I'm really, I'm really excited to see what we've got here. I don't know. I get, for some reason, I'm thinking that they're going to have a lot of involvement from the receivers in the passing game and not as much from the tight end which is probably why he's ranked a little lower. I bet a lot of other people feel similar. But he's someone that certainly has some upside. They've talked him up, too. He's been with the team for, what, like three years? This is his fourth year in the league, I think. And they've talked like this is his time. I think they said that specifically. It's his time. So um, he's not the worst dart throw there towards the end of drafts. I think that there are plenty of other – guys in this range that I'd probably rather have than him. But again, like Jack Doyle, like he could totally surprise me and have a much bigger season. I see some, I see some upside, but I think I'm passing. You're passing. And are you passing for the next guy on the list, Irv Smith, or are you like Thomas more than Smith? I'd probably rather have her Smith because the Vikings play two tight end sets more than probably any team in the league. And they use Kyle Rudolph as their blocking tight end. And Irv Smith was a very useful receiver in college. And he did some of it last year as a rookie. They got rid of Stefan Diggs. I mean, they still got, you know, Adam Thielen and they drafted Justin Jefferson in the first round. But I mean, who's the guy after that? You know, they're going to run the ball quite a bit still. So at the end of the day, whatever they're – whoever's third of the totem pole, totem pole for targets, it's still not going to be some, you know, 1,000-yard guy. But, you know, if you're playing tight end, you don't need a guy like that. If Irv Smith had, you know, 700 yards, he'd be an awesome tight end one, basically. You know, maybe maybe a tight end two. But uh, I, he's got – Good size, too, so in terms of getting him involved in the red zone, and I like that Kirk Cousins, he's a veteran, he's a smart quarterback. Um, you know, he's efficient. He knows how to get the ball to the right guys, and he's not some gunslinger by any means, but he knows how to move the offense, and I think that's good for Irv Smith's value. For him to be ranked 23 feels way too low. I would much rather have him. I think, like, I mean, we have Noah Fant ranked 15 and Irv Smith ranked 23, and I think Irv Smith – has a better chance to pop than Noah Fant does. So, oh, yeah, 
Irv Smith. There's no way that like he's going as a 23rd tight end in in most drafts. That that feels ridiculous. If that's true, then he's probably the ideal target to to get um, as a tight end too. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Casey's hot take of the episode. <laughs> there it is. I had mine. There's yours. I was waiting for it. Irv Smith, man, I want to like him. I do, but. Just coming in as a year two tight end, he's just a little raw for me still, especially just in redraft. If he's in dynasty, go buy him before he blows up. You know, I I just sold him actually, but that's just because in that dynasty league, I have extreme tight end depth. I I literally own Jodu, Jonu Smith, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Travis Kelsey, and Irv Smith was like my fourth tight end. I believe I have Chris Herndon as well. So I just sold him for a second round pick and, you know, wash my hands, you know, got an extra draft pick. But I mean, you, my point is you can get them for a second round draft pick. And if people who don't know who Irv Smith is yet, you might be able to get them for a third. You know, this is, this is more of a tight end of the future than he is a tight end for a redraft league. Um, he's going to be split in time with Kyle Rudolph. You said they're going to be using those two tight end sets. You know, obviously one's going to be blocking the other's going to be receiving, you know, and I kind of anticipate the same thing with Jordan Reed and George Kittle this year. You know, one's going to be blocking the receiving, but they're going to be flip flip flopping vice versa. You know, I'm thinking of be doing the same thing with Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph kind of flip flop each other. You know, you're going to be blocking one play and you're going to be receiving on the other vice versa. So for the most part though, um, Irv Smith, I, I really want to like him. I do. Um, he's probably someone, just me being a total loyalist, he might be my last round draft pick. He might be a third tight end. In in fantasy football, I love the tight end position because I know I could beat so many people at it. And I always grab an early tight end. And if I'm getting guys like Irv Smith as, Irv Smith as my third tight end who does have the potential to break out, it's just a slim chance. But, man, if he does hit in that slim chance – Dude, your trade bait is awesome, man. You're going to be able to get pretty much whatever you want. But if he flops, hey, you know, you wasted what? If you have a deeper league draft, you know, you probably wasted a 15th, 16th round pick on him. But, yeah, as far as a tight end two, borderline tight end two, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, Greg Olson's next on the list, and... I don't even like Greg Olson. Um, he's always hurt. He's up there in age. He's what, 35 years old. He's going over. To, he's with Seattle now. Uh, Disley healthy now? Has he been practicing or he's still down? I haven't, I haven't read anything on him, honestly. And I've been all over it. Yeah, he's been practicing. He actually, I think, was out there for the first day of camp or if it wasn't the first the first few days. And that was a really awesome thing to see because he was coming back from was it an achilles he was coming back from a pretty serious injury i believe i think it was an achilles heel so um good to see him oh. back out there i ultimately don't think that will disley is going to eat into greg olson snaps too much i mean i think they're going to probably use two or three guys it'll be kind of a committee approach but i actually kind of like greg olson here at number 24 in terms of like a like a veteran flyer to be your tight end too, he's probably one of my favorite ones. Um, just playing with Russell Wilson, man. Just playing with Russell Wilson. They've, you know, he doesn't need to produce like a tight end one to to be 
you know, useful. I mean, if they could get some use out of Jimmy Graham, like I'm sure that they'll get some use out of Greg Olson. Um, I don't think he's not going to have like some big crazy season by any means. They, they like Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and, you know, they've got some other guys that they'd like to get the ball to, I think first, but he's not, uh, I don't think he's a bad option there towards the end of the draft. Pretty much wraps it up for our top 24. Um, before we wrap this out, we did kind of skip the news and notes. Yeah, I was thinking about that right when we jumped in. I was saying like we just we should just jump in, and we didn't really go over um, a couple of things going on in the football world. Well, I think the biggest. It's okay one- though, because the episode is labeled tight end, so it's okay. Right. Um, I think that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the big news is Leonard Fournette getting cut kind of came out of nowhere. What are, what were you thinking about that? Well, I was at work this morning when it happened, and my phone buzzed, and I was like, oh, man, Leonard Fournette got cut. First thing I did, I was going to get Raquel, Raquel Armstead. He's going to be the guy that benefits unless they make a trade or they sign someone in free agency. Um the other guy that's going to benefit too is Chris Thompson. I was just talking about how he positioned seen what was he seeing like 77 reception or 77 targets or something over, over the years with Jay Gruden or something like that. So, I mean, all this potential receiving down work that Leonard Fournette was going to take away from Chris Thompson. I mean, to me, that just stands alone by itself to all the Chris Thompson by itself. So, I mean, if you're in a full PPR league and Chris Thompson is sitting out there in your free agency or your waiver wire and you had your draft already, go get him. This guy is going to catch a ton of passes out of the backfield. He's not going to be no weekly winner or any or league winner by any means, but if you, how we talked about Kareem Hunt, you're going to get a poor man's version of that. I have been high on Chris Thompson for a while because I just knew that the Jaguars didn't like Fournette. They tried to trade him last year. They were talking about trading him in the spring. It's just been very odd. I mean, the decline is fifth-year option. He's gotten in trouble with the team. Just silly little stuff. It just he just I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a him problem or if it's a Jaguars problem. Clearly, they've run everyone out of town. So they've got some issues, but who knows? It might be a little bit of both. This it just it just felt obvious that the Jaguars were looking for a reason to get him out get him out of town. And I think they just decided to cut their losses. They just were like, look, he just doesn't really fit what they want to do. Yes. He was productive for them, but I think it was more based off of volume and it wasn't based off of him being some elite talent that, you know, carried the team by himself. I think there's a reason why they went and picked up Chris Thompson to you know get him more involved in the passing game. The fact that Jay Gruden's the offensive coordinator and that's where, you know, that coach has been the one to get, that gets the most out of Chris Thompson speaks volumes that's why I was big on him, you know, ever since he signed from day one. I know it's easy to get be down on him because he's been hurt a lot, but still, like, they signed him. It wasn't like some late signing that just happened, you know. Like, he got there, like, you know, not long after free agency started, if I'm remembering correctly. They clearly brought him in with some intent. So, yeah, I mean, even if they go bring in another running back to, you know, fill a hole on this team – I think Chris Thompson still has a locked in passing down role. I'm I'm very excited to see how he finishes. And since they're going to probably be down in a lot of games, I think that he has some 
he's an every week flex that could uh, in PPR leagues or whatever could be a, a, a running back to some weeks. Yep. And just for standard leads, though, kind of like what I said about Ryquell Armstead, he's probably going to benefit from just per- first and second, you know, running downs. And uh, Chris Thompson would kind of play more of that passing role. So, guy on the list with the news and notes is this one hurts me a little bit. That's my guy, Miles Sanders. Um, if anybody knows, I've been riding this Miles Sanders train for a while, and it's it's too late for me to get off of it now. So I'm still going to stay where I'm at. As far as my opinion on Sanders, I'm going to draft him as need be, but this hamstring injury is concerning, but the fact that they're going to rest him and you know, they're not really pushing him during camp and all this stuff. He should be ready by week one. Um, those are all good things you want to hear, but the fact that they say should be ready is what concerns me a little bit. But they haven't really brought in a running back yet. They haven't. You haven't seen them sign a free agent, a free agent running back. So until you see that ha- happening, I really don't really need to see a cause for concern. Um, they did lose two offensive linemen this year, so I just feel like this Miles Sanders train I'm trying to hype up just keeps getting arrows on the side of it, you know. But I don't know, man. I'm still tooting it along pretty hard, but. If I am to give my honest advice, I'm probably going to tell everybody to go as far as take Josh Jacobs over Sanders. But you won't see me doing that because I've rode this train this long. I can't get off the Sanders train yet. I would look like someone who's just jumping over to the next guy. So I'm going to die on this Sanders train, but I advise everybody to get over the Jacobs. I was taking Jacobs before Sanders, I think, anyway. Yeah. Um, I have just been hearing all off season about how the Eagles wanted to add another guy in that backfield. And I don't know. They're probably just waiting for, I mean, they could go get Leonard Fournette. Maybe they were just waiting. They knew that inevitably out of the other 31 teams, some running back that has a lot of talent was going to become available, whether it be by getting cut, whether it be getting traded for pennies on the dollar and so, I mean, we could still see it. Maybe they still signed Devontae Freeman. That was the rumor there for a little bit. But I get the sense that they want some kind of bruiser to pair with Sanders. Like Sanders is the finesse guy, and he can do a lot for them. But I think they want someone that's got, you know, a little more power. Like they had Jordan Howard. And, and you know, I think they want someone kind of like along the lines of that, which why Fournette makes a little bit of sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think I was already a little, not to say overall down on Sanders. It's just not super high on him like a lot of other people. In fact, a lot of the fantasy communities high on Miles Sanders this year. And although I like him, I don't love him. Um, so I'm going to, I mean, th- this injury is just more confirmation in my mind of like, he's probably someone to avoid. People are going to take him anyway. People are going to do the same thing you're doing right now, Red. You've just been on the hype train. No reason. You know, they're not going to want to get off because they got too much invested in them. As far as I'm concerned, man, hey, no reason to to stay on a sinking ship if you've got a rowboat to get away. Like, just jump ship, man. Time to cut your losses. I still see the top three upside in them. I'm sorry, man. You better hope he gets healthy. Yep. That's what. I am telling everyone, get on Jacobs. I got to ride this one out because, like I said, when I'm right at the end of the day, 
it's just going to prove stick to your guns because the second I leave Miles Sanders for an Oakland Raider and the Raiders pull what Raiders always do and they ruin a good player. Las Vegas. I am going to. Yes. I'm sorry. I've been saying Oakland all night. Haven't I? Uh, Probably. (laughs) Oh, get that out. Cause I don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. um, I'll edit that. No Sanders. I called him. I didn't call him out as a better talent, but I think the situation he landed in in Philadelphia is what made him gold. And I think his situation and his youth in that Philadelphia offense makes him more of a dynasty darling in my eye than Josh Jacobs. And maybe I'm just blending that over to redraft leagues, but still I anticipate Philadelphia scoring a lot more points than Oakland this year. And if Miles Sanders is the only running back and this is just a minor hit preseason hiccup or training camp hiccup, if you will. Um, And at the end of the year, you know, he's the running back three and Josh Jacobs finishes the year as the running back eight, because he didn't get the receiving ability that we thought he was going to get or the receiving totals that we thought he was going to get. Um, we're going to be kicking ourselves pretty hard. You know, Miles Sanders has proved that he can be a top five tight end or top five wide receiver. Sorry, we've been running back. Holy smoke, it's been a long day. What's his name? Every position that Miles Sanders doesn't play, right? (laughs) Um, But yes, no, that's, it's just the offense and the opportunity other than the talent. You know, if Josh Jacobs was on, the Philadelphia Eagles, holy smoke, man, you know, he'd be worlds better. But unfortunately, we're talking about a Raiders team and a Philadelphia team. Close it out with that, man. Yeah, let's um, go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, DeRuder Oops. Farms and um, Agland Protective Services. Thanks, you. Thank you both. And um, next time, we might do a different podcast instead of jumping into the quarterbacks right away. We've got the quarterbacks, but um we're still going to get to that but we'll we'll see maybe we'll do that but we might change it up do something else for a second before we get back to that yeah i agree but uh until then guys peace out peace out guys